was great. Thank you very, very much. January the 1st, 2022. It only happens once in our lifespan. The first year, the first day of 2022, and it happens to fall on a Sabbath. What will be the odds of that? That falls on Sabbath, January the 1st. Is, is the day that we always try to make plans. We make our list of things that we didn't do last year and we would like to do better this year. And um, remembering, you know, this week I had a chance to spend, to go and eat with my sister. Um, we, we talked a lot. And one of the things that we were, we were talking about was the event that, um, I don't know how it came out. I think God knew that I was going to have to preach today <laughs> somehow. Um, she was talking about, um, she was reading The Desire of Ages, and she was reading the last chapter, and it surprised her a few things that happened when Jesus resurrected and all the dynamic that happened in the last few days, last month or 40 days-ish that Jesus spent with the disciples before he went to heaven. And um, it was fascinating. Sometimes we tend to forget. We read things, and after years, you know, we, we forget details, those small details that we tend to forget. And I would like to share with you, I'm going to read the last chapter of the Star of Ages. And I was reviewing that last night. <clears throat> to review a few things that we discussed with my sister the day before. And it was surprisingly like, wow, you know, it's amazing how much we forget when we read things. And no wonder God always, Jesus always repeat things in different ways. And, and the teachers repeat the same thing different ways. We have 66 books in the Bible talking pretty much about the same thing, but in different examples, different ways. And we still sometimes we don't get it. And um, so for this year, it will be nice if we put in our to-do list to spend more time in the Bible, to spend more time in the relationship with God. Because without that relationship, we're nothing. <coughs> in, the ch in the last chapter of Desire of Ages, it covers... Luke 24, 50 through 53, and also covers Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. And I'm going to read, and I'm going to pause. And if, if anybody would like to share something that impressed you on that paragraph, just let me know. Raise your hands, and we'll give you a chance to share with everyone what, you are, what the Holy Spirit is, is giving you as you read this, this paragraph. The time have come from Christ to ascend to his Father's throne. As a divine conqueror, he was about to return with the trophies of victory to heavenly courts. Before his death, he had declared to his Father, I have finished the work which thou, you have given me. John 17, 4. After his resurrection, he tarried on earth for a season that his disciples might become familiar with him and his risen and glorified body. 
Now he was ready for the leave taking. He had authenticated the fact that he was a living savior. His disciples needed no longer associated him with the tomb. And they come think of him as a glorified before the heavenly universe. I think that was the time to have a closure before he went to heaven. And one other thing that it was surprising that when Jesus lived here for 33 years, and the last three and a half years, he spent it with his disciples. But we don't read that much in the New Testament that Jesus actually sat with the disciples and taught them, taught him, that he taught them specific things. It was mainly by observing. The disciple had a lot of opportunities for three and a half years to observe Jesus, his masters, and how to do things. And, and a few thoughts here and there for the disciples to learn between themselves. But then one of the things that um, is interesting that before he went to heaven for good, he spent it like 40, quality time with the disciples alone. And there was all of other people in there. I know the Bible mentioned that there was a lot of people with, with Christ um, before he ascended to heaven. But it was interesting how before he went home for good, he spent some quality time with his disciples and his followers just to do the final touch before he left. At the place of his ascension, Jesus chose the spot so often hallowed by his presence while he dwelt among men. And when I read that, when I read that one, it was like, oh, it must be the, uh, the Mount of Olives. Because he spent a lot of time in that mountain. But then I was wrong. It says, not Mount Zion in the place of David, city, not Mount Moriah, the temple site, was, not, was to be thus honored. There Christ had been mocked and rejected, there, the wave of mercy, still returning in the stronger tide of love, has been beaten back by heart as hard as rock. Then Jesus, weary and heart burdened, have gone forth to find rest in the Mount of Olives. The holy Shekinah, in departing from the first temple, had stood upon the eastern, eastern mountain as if loved to forsaken the chosen city. So Christ stood upon the Olivet, with yearning heart overlooking Jerusalem. The grove and glens that the mountain had been consecrated by his prayers and tears. Its steps have echoed the triumphant shout of the multitude that proclaimed him king a week before. On his loping descent, he had found a home with Lazarus at Bethany. In the garden of Gethsemane, at its foot, he had prayed and agonized alone. From this mountain, he was ascended to heaven. Upon his summit, his feet will rest when he shall come again. Not as a man of sorrows, but as a glorious and triumphant king, he will stand upon Olivet, while Hebrew hallelujah mingled with Gentile hosannas, and the voices of the redeemed as a mighty host that dwell declamation, crown him Lord of all. Can you imagine? Imagine, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting. One of the things that we talked about was, and then we went back to when um, 
thinking, you know how sometimes we start thinking, and, and I was telling my sister, imagine the administrative aspect of it. You know, the angels knew that Jesus was getting ready to go up, so I'm sure there was someone saying, okay, choosing which angels were going to come, uh, and where they're going to be, what they're going to bring to, to take the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, to go to heaven. And the same organization happened when he was born. I am sure that, you know, who chose to the choir of angels that was going to descend to have, to, from heaven to earth to sing? Who decided, you know, what to sing, when to sing it? And we were imagining, imagine when the choir of angels was sitting there waiting for the cue to sing in different occasions. And I'm sure this was one of them. Now with the 11th disciple, Jesus made his way towards the mountain. So I can imagine Jesus walking with mixed emotions, I guess. He was happy to go home with his family. But at the same time, I'm sure he was very, very sad to leave his children behind. As they passed through the gate of Jerusalem, many wandering eyes look upon the little company, led by one whom a few weeks before the rulers had condemned and was crucified. The disciples knew not that this was to be their last interview with their master. Jesus spent the time in conversation with them, repeating his former instructions. I can imagine Jesus telling his disciples the last few words before, before you leave, what do you do with your, with your family? Giving the last few words just to help them before you depart. And I'm sure Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. As they approached the seminary, he paused that they might call to mind the lessons he had given them on the night of his great agony. Again, he looked upon the vine by which he had then represented the union of the church with his, himself and his father again. He repeated the trust he has them unfolded. All around him were reminders of his unrequired love. Even the disciples who were so dear to his heart had in an hour of his humiliation reproached and forsaken him. Christ had sojourned in the world for 33 years. He had endured his scorned insult and mockery. He had been rejected and crucified. Now, when about to ascend to his throne of glory, as he reviewed the ingratitude of the people he came to save, will he not withdraw from them his sympathy and love? Will not his affection be centered upon the realm where he appreciated and where sinless angels waited to do his binding? No. His promise to those loved ones whom he lived on earth is, and remember this one this year, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Upon reaching the Mount of Olives, Jesus led the way across the summit to the vicinity of Bethany. Here he paused, and the disciples gathered about him. Beams of light seemed to radiate from his countenance, as he looked lovingly upon them. 
He unbraided them not for their fault and failures. Words of the deepest tenderness were the last that fell upon their ears from the leaves, from the leaves of their Savior. With hands outreach in blessings, and as if an assurance, assurance of his protection and care, he slowly ascended from among them, grown heavenwards by a power stronger than any earth attraction. As he passed upward, the awe-striking disciples looked with straining eyes for the last gleams of the ascending Lord. A cloud of glory hid him from their sight. And the words came back to them as the cloudy chariot of angels received them. Lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. At the same time, there floated down to them the sweetest and most joyous music from the angel choir. While the disciples were still gazing upward, voices addressed them which sounded like richest music. They turned and saw two angels in the form of men who spoke to them, saying, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing upon heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken out from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. These angels were of the company that had been waiting in a shining cloud to escort Jesus to his heavenly home. The most exalted of the angels' throne, they were the two who had come to the tomb of Christ in the day of the resurrection, and they had been with him throughout his life on earth. These two angels were the two guardian angels that was assigned before Jesus was born to take care of him throughout the years. Can you imagine when Jesus come and we go to heaven, we were, we're going to have the privilege to meet our guardian angel, the same thing that Jesus did, and we're the same one that was there waiting for him in the tomb when he was resurrected. And it was the same two angels that was there to give the last encouragement to his disciples. With eager desires of, of, heaven, of all heaven had waited for the end of this tearing in the world, marred by the curse of sin. The time had now come for the heavenly universe to receive their king. I don't know about you guys, but I can imagine the angels, you know, making so many plans for that glorious moment, waiting for so long, for 33 years, for his king, the one that he loved, they loved so much, to go, finally, to go heaven. Did not the two angels long to join through the welcome Jesus? But in sympathy and love for those whom he had left, they waited to give them comfort. Are they not all missing ministering spirits set forth and ministered for them who shall be heirs of the salvation? Can you imagine the two angels that spent guarding Jesus all his life? They just sat back and waited to give the, the, uh, the rest of the angels the opportunity to receive Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Christ has ascended to heaven in the form of human, humanity. The disciples had beheld the cloud receive him. The same Jesus who had walked and talked and 
prayed with them, who had broken bread with them, who had been with them in their boat on the lake, and who have that very day toiled with, toiled with them upon the ascent to Olivet. The same Jesus have now gone to share his father's throne. And the angels had assured them that the very one whom they have seen go to heaven would come again, even as he have ascended. And he will come with cloud, and every eye shall see him. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead of Christ shall rise again. The Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Thus will be fulfilled the Lord's own promise to his disciples. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that there I am, that ye may be also. Well, might the disciple rejoice in the hope of their Lord returns. So he not only told them the same way he going to heaven, he will come back, but he also promised, I'm going to prepare a place for each one of you. Are you have you ever looked at what place would that be? Have you ever thought of what would be like to go and have this amazing hope that some people don't have? When the disciples went back to Jerusalem, the people looked upon them with amazement. After the trial and crucifixion of Christ, it had been thought that they would appear downcast and ashamed. Their enemies expected to see upon their faces an expression of sorrow and defeat. But they were surprised. Instead of this, there was only gladness and tri triumph. Their faces were glowing with happiness not born of this earth. They did not mourn over disappointed hopes, but were full of praises and thanksgiving to God. With rejoicing, they told the wonderful stories of Christ's resurrection and his ascension to heaven. And their testimony was received by many. The disciples no longer had any distrust of the future. They knew that Jesus was in heaven and that his sympathies were with them still. They knew that they have a friend at the throne of God and they were eager to present their request to the Father in the name of Jesus. In solemn awe, they bow in prayer, repeating this assurance. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He hitherto, have ye asked nothing in my name? Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. They extended the hand of faith higher and higher with the mighty argument, it is Christ that died. Ye rather that is raised again, risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. And in Pentecost brought them full, fullness of joy and presented of the Comforter, even as Christ hath promised.
Now we look, we finish what's happening on earth and we look up what's happening in heaven. All heaven was waiting to welcome the Savior to the celestial court. As he ascended, he led the way and the multitude of captives set free as his resurrection followed. <coughs> the heavenly host with shouts and exclamation of praises and celestial song attended the joyous train. As they drew near to the city of God, the challenges is given by the escorting angels. And they start singing. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lift up, you everlasting doors. And I'm going to left the rest of the song for you to read because it's very beautiful. Then the portals of the city of God are opened wide, and the angelic throne sweeps through the gates amidst a burst of rapturous music. There is the throne, and around it the rainbow promise. They are the cherubim and seraphims, the commanders of the angels' host, the Son of God, the representative of the unfolding worlds, are assembled. The heavenly council before which Lucifer had accused God and his son. The representative of those sinless realms over which Satan has thrown this to establish his dominion. All of there to welcome the Redeemer. They are eager to celebrate his triumph and to glorify the King. There was a lot of people in that group waiting for Jesus to come. It's amazing. And, and it goes into details talks about the cherubim, the, the seraphims, the commanders of the angels that talked about the representative of the unfallen word, worlds, the heavenly council, the same cons, council that Lucifer tried to accuse God. It was present there also. The representative of those sinless other worlds over which Satan tried to have them fall. They were there as well. But he waved them back. Jesus said, hold. Not yet. He cannot now receive the coronet of glory and the royal robe. He enters into the presence of his father. He points to his wounded hand. He pierces side, the mared feet. He lifts his hands, bearing the print of nails. He pointed to the token of his triumph. He presented to God the wave shift, those raised with him as representative of the great multitude who shall come forth for the grave of his second coming. He approached the Father, with whom there is joy over one sinner that repents, who rejoices over one with singing, before the foundation of the earth were laid, the Father and the Son had united in a covenant to redeem man if he should be ever overcome by Satan. They have clapped hand, handshake the promise. Can you imagine God the Father and Jesus making a contract, saying, if they shake hand, making a contract, if any of this world fall, I will come die. I will come down and die for them. This pledge Christ has fulfilled with upon the cross, he cried out, it is finished. He addressed the Father, the compact 
the contract that had been fulfilled carried out, now he declares, Father, it is finished. I have done your will. Oh, my God. I have completed the work of redemption. If thy justice is satisfied, I will that, I will that day also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Can you imagine Jesus after three, for 33 years, finally in heaven with so many hosts, but before he celebrates, he stops, and he goes one-on-one -on -one with his Father, presenting and asking, did I fulfill everything that you have asked? The voice of God is heard proclaiming that justice is satisfied. Satan is vanquished. Christ toiling, struggling ones on earth are accepted in the beloved. Before the heavenly angels and the representative of the unfallen worlds, they are declared justified. Where he is, there his church shall be. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The father's arm encircles his son, and the world is given. The word is given. Let all the angels of God worship him. Now is the party time. <laughs> now Jesus can go and rejoice with the heavenly host because the paid had the price had been paid and we are saved. With joy on utterly rulers and principalities and powers and knowledge, the supremacy of the Prince of Life. The angels host prostrate themselves before him, while the glad shout fills of the court of heaven. You can hear saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. Songs of triumph mingle with the music with angels' harps. Still heaven seems to overflow with joy and praises. Love hath conquered. The lost is found. Heaven rings with voices in lofty strains proclaiming, Blessings and honor and glory and power be into him that sits upon the throne and into the Lamb forever and ever. From the scene of heavenly joy, there comes back to us on earth the echo of Christ's own wonderful world, words. I ascend into my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. The family of heaven and the family of earth, now they are one. For us, our Lord ascended, and for us, he lives. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that comes into God by him, seeing he ever lived to make intercession for us. May the year 2022 will be the year that we can come so close in the presence of God that when the end time begins, we'll be safe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for this beautiful scenery of you going to heaven and you going to the heavenly host with your Father. And when our God 
said, it is finished, and the price of sin has been paid. Now we have the assurance, the assurance 100%, that there is no reason why we cannot be saved and go to live eternity with you. And we pray that beginning this year, or continuing this year, may our relationship with you will be so close that nothing that Satan can throw at us will make any dent. That the walk that we do intentionally in your presence that allows you, Holy Spirit, to change our character, to resemble Jesus so much that they can see you through us in everything that we do. It is my prayer. Amen.